right. Some of you may be wondering, didn't he already preach a sermon this morning? <laughs> I promise I'll have you out of here before 1230. You can hold me to that. <laughs> I I never meant for this to be a series, but that's sort of what it's become over time. Last April, I preached a sermon entitled The Long Nose of God, where we looked at one of the characteristics of God that is given in Exodus 34, 6. We saw that in that text and in many other places throughout Scripture, God is described as being long-suffering and slow to anger. And then last month, back in February, we looked at the same verse, but at a different characteristic of God. And it was the, the Hebrew word amet that was translated as faithfulness, faithfulness. That time we looked at the fact that Jesus was the answer to all of the Father's promises. Jesus was the answer to all of the Father's promises. The proof of God's faithfulness comes from what Jesus did. And today, I'd like to go back to that verse in Exodus 34 and focus in on one more characteristic of God. And for those of you that maybe are are language nerds like me, you're going to get to learn some Hebrew this morning as well. So just to rehash something that I shared in the other two sermons, when it comes to pondering the mystery of God, it might feel daunting or difficult to try to describe him. But when the writers of Scripture decided to take a stab at it, they often described God in this way. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in loyal love and faithfulness. So today we're going to look at that fourth phrase, abounding in loyal Love. It's a concept that is translated from the Hebrew word chesed. Chesed. If you want to try to say it with me, you can. I'll, I'll give you an account of three. But uh, essentially, what you're saying is chesed, but you're adding a little ch, like you're clearing your throat at the beginning. Chesed. So one, two, three, chesed. All right. Everybody's throat is now cleared. <laughs> And it's actually, it's, it's a little difficult for some of us to say this word, but it's even more difficult to translate because it's got a very nuanced meaning. It combines the idea of love, generosity, and enduring commitment. It's a combination of those three words into one word. Chesed describes an act of promise-keeping loyalty that is motivated by deep personal care. The best way I can describe this is by looking at a few stories in the Bible, like the story of Ruth. Ruth was a foreigner who was married 
to an Israelite man. But then in a tragic turn of events, her husband, this Israelite man, he died along with his father and his brother. And the only person that Ruth had left was Naomi, her widowed mother-in-law. And Naomi has nothing to give, absolutely nothing to give. And says, go, return each to her mother's house. She's talking to her other daughter-in-law as well. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. So Naomi essentially is telling Ruth, there's nothing for you here. I I can't help. You should go back to your people. But then Ruth responds in this way. In Ruth 1.16, and treat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you for wherever you go, I will go and wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts you and me. Wow. Ruth promises to stay by Naomi's side and take care of her. Maybe you you notice some of the language that is used here is often used today when you go to a wedding, right? And, and, And here is this young woman using similar language and talking to her mother in law who is straight up said, I can offer you nothing. I can't take care of you. As time goes by, people take notice of Ruth and her faithful promise keeping. And they call it an act of chesed. Ruth 3.10, then he said, blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness, that's that word, chesed, at the end than at the beginning, in that you did not go after young men, whether rich or poor. Notice that Ruth's chesed is not conditional. It's not based on Naomi's worth, but rather it's an expression of Ruth's character. Ruth just is a generous and loving person who keeps her word. That is chesed. Now, Ruth, her loyal love is truly inspiring. It's inspired generations for years and years. But the one who shows the most enduring chesed in all of the Bible is God. God, like in the story about Jacob, who is, as the Bible paints him, a treacherous liar, even to his own family. In Genesis 27, 35, 
looking at the after effects of one of the most despicable things Jacob ever did. But Isaac said to Esau, your brother Jacob, came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. Yet despite Jacob's lying, despite Jacob's bad character, God still chooses Jacob and repeats the promise that he made to his grandfather, Abraham, that he'd have a huge family and that God would restore his blessing to the nations through that family. And so 20 years later, once Jacob fully comes to realize how undeserving he really is, he says to God, I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies, chesed, and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. He's talking about his staff for a reason there. Maybe you recall a wrestling match that Jacob had earlier in his life and the limp that he had thereafter. But he's right here. He's, he's right about his unworthiness. But God's chesed never had anything to do with Jacob's worth in the first place. It's simply a display of God's loyalty to his promises. God's chesed, it it continues past Jacob and into Jacob's descendants, the story of the Israelites. We find them in Exodus and they are enslaved in Egypt by a wicked ruler named Pharaoh. In that time, we are told that God remembered his promise. His people cried out and God remembered. Exodus 2.24, it says, so God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So as the story goes, God defeats Egypt and raises up Moses and Aaron to liberate his people and to lead them into the promised land. And in the story, this is called an act of chesed. Exodus 15, 13, you and your mercy, chesed, have led forth the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. It was called chesed because it was about God's keeping his word and showing his loyal love. Now, on the way to the promised land, things, they got a little rocky, right? (laughs) Um, There were some difficulties. And many of the Israelites, they're looking at the, the people and the nation surrounding them. And they're absolutely terrified. Terrified of these mighty people. And they start to have doubts whether God can even protect them, whether God can keep them safe. 
Thus, they turn against Moses, and they get the idea, we're going to appoint a new leader. And he's going to take us back to Egypt. Numbers 14.2, and all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt. Dramatic, maybe. (laughs) Or if only we had died in this wilderness. Then a couple verses later, so they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. They'd forgotten how bad they had it. They'd forgotten how hard they were worked. And all the congregation said to stone them, Moses and Aaron, with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. And God is understandably upset, hurt, and angered. But then Moses steps in. And it's really interesting what he says to God. Numbers 14, 19. Pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray. According to the greatness of your mercy, chesed, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. Did you notice that? Moses, he stepped in. And he asked God to forgive the people, not because they deserve it, because they don't. We don't. But because of God's chesed, his character. In the Bible, God is loyal and loving for no other reason then that's just who God is. Now, of course, God wants his people to respond with chesed in return. But even when they don't, God's chesed remains. The prophet Hosea compared Israel's chesed to a morning cloud or a mist Hosea 6.4, oh, Ephraim, what shall I do to you? Oh, Judah, what shall I do to you? For your faithfulness, chesed, is like a morning cloud. And like the early dew, it goes away. We humans are fickle people, right? We can love one, we can love a person one moment and hate them in the next. Want to help people today and want to curse them tomorrow. And so what Hosea has just said it quite plainly, Israel's chesed is there one moment, but gone the next. You can't trust it. You can't hold to that promise. Their promise, they don't keep their words. But God's chesed is enduring. Like in Psalm 136, which begins, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy, chesed, endures forever. And then goes on to repeat 26 times that God's chesed is forever. And so after centuries of Israel betraying their commitment to God, and after humanity's lengthy history 
of death, violence, and sin. God still kept his promise in the most dramatic and drastic way possible. He became human and bound himself to us through the person of Jesus. God's chesed gave us Jesus. And the people who followed Jesus of Nazareth said that in him, they encountered the God of Israel who was full of loyal love, mercy, and faithfulness. Jesus is the ultimate loyal and loving human. Something we've all failed at. We've tried, but we failed. But Jesus didn't fail. And in his life, death, and resurrection, God opened up a new future for all of us, for all of creation. It was a turning point in this world's history. And God did this because it's just who God is. Generous, loving, and eternally loyal to his promises. That's good news. That's the truth. That's the gospel. And when we experience the the purity and power of God's love shown to us through Jesus, it compels us to to reimagine why and also how we can then show chesed back to God and then to others. There is power in the gospel message. Not only the power to save to the utmost, which is astounding, miraculous, awe-inspiring, but also the power to change people's hearts and minds for the better. The love of Jesus can soften the hardest of hearts, melt the, the bitterest of mindsets, The gospel offers hope for the hopeless, purpose for the empty, comfort for the forlorn. The gospel of grace is the only gospel, for it is the grace of God that makes the good news the good news. It is the grace of God that saves us, sanctifies us, and keeps us secure until the end. If you doubt that, read the final closing verses of Romans 8. Paul sums it up quite nicely. What is grace? Grace is the love of God that comes to us through his son and empowers us to be who God made us to be. And what is the gospel of grace? The one who sits on a throne of grace wants to share his life with you. This life is found in his son who is full of grace and truth. What does the grace of God look like? It looks like Jesus. Grace isn't merely a message or a sermon. Grace 
is a person living through you. This, dear friends, is what it means to say that God is abounding in loyal love. Will you accept it? Will you experience it? And then will you live it and share it? That's God's request. That's God's call. That's the burden he's placed on each one of our hearts. And now I'm going to invite Gary Bishop to come forward, stand at the foot of the steps as our elder in charge. <laughs> what, what is that? Sorry. Oh, okay. After I say amen, I'll share this. <laughs> Sorry, Sarah, you were trying to not interrupt me and I just jumped right in. <laughs> but so Gary is here as our elder in charge for today. And, and after I say amen and share this information, I'm also going to step down there as well. And after the benediction, you who wish can be dismissed. But if there's anybody here, and I know we haven't done this in a couple of weeks, but I want to get back to it. If there's anybody here that has any special needs, any special requests, or maybe you just have a praise, something God has done in your life or the life of someone that you know that you want to share, we would love to hear from you, and we would love to take your petitions to the throne of grace. Let us pray. Our loving, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your chesed, for your mercy, for your loyal love. And Lord, that you don't offer it to us because we deserve it, but because it's who you are. Lord, we can depend upon you when we can't depend upon others or even ourselves. That gives us hope. <laughs> that gives us comfort. It gives us encouragement to face this difficult, sin-filled life. So Lord, right now, we are giving ourselves to you, accepting your love, accepting Christ's death on our behalf, and accepting your call. Lord, help us to not just know these things on an intellectual level, but to live them, to experience them, to know that we have a relationship with Jesus and that changes everything. What we think, what we speak, and how we treat other people. Lord, give us opportunities to share your love and your grace with others. Give us opportunities to tell people about your chesed, the fact that you keep your promises and may we point them to Jesus as the ultimate promise kept. Lord, give us opportunities to lead people to the foot of the cross. We invite your spirit into our lives now. We cherish the love that you've given to us. And we believe that there is power in this prayer because we ask it all in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.